Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else, welcome back to the Tales of Hope podcast. I am your host, Nick. We've got a good one for you today. If you're listening to this, you know where to find us on social media. You can find us Facebook, just search Tales of Hope podcast. Instagram and Twitter is at Tales of Hope pod. That is all one word, no underscores, no nothing, all lowercase. Uh, Let's see, YouTube. We are also on YouTube. Haven't posted on there in a while. My apologies. Uh, That is Tales of Hope Podcast. Again, just search for that. It should pop up towards the top. And anchor.fm slash Tales of Hope or search Tales of Hope on the Anchor app, the Anchor website. Through them, you can also find us on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, my favorite, CastBox, places like that. Just search for us wherever. I'm sure you'll find us. Um, Yeah, I think that's good enough for the intro. We've got someone who I am meeting for the first time today on the show. He is a communications professor. He actually got started at Hope the same time I got started at Hope as a student. So we've kind of shared a little bit about us, but it's time to bring him on. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else, Professor Jason Dibble. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. No problem. Okay, so the first thing I have to, to correct you on is it's the Department of Communication. Communication. And not communications. Okay. This is one of the most common mistakes people make, even here at Hope still. But, yeah, we don't have a Department of Communications. We have a Department of Communication. And in the field, there's a difference, actually. Okay. So what it is is if you say communications, that's a thing, but that usually refers to the applied side. So things like media production, broadcasting, and so on go under communications. Mm -hmm. But if you're studying the process about how two human beings come together and make sense of each other, you're talking about the larger, broader umbrella term of communication. So that's what I study. That's what our department is, I hope. Okay. Didn't mean to to step on your stuff there, but I thought... Oh, you're good. Let's give some learning right off the bat. Exactly. <laughs> As a professor, anyway, that's what you're supposed to do. It's an honor to be here. I love what you're doing. Thank, thank you very much. No, thank you. So take us all the way back to the beginning. Talk about growing up. What was that like for you? Growing up. Let's see. Uh, well, I was born very young um, in a town called Muskegon. Okay. Um, which is just about 45 minutes north of here, straight up uh, Lake Michigan. And um, I was always... I was really lucky. My family didn't have a lot of money growing up. I mean, we were not rich by any means, but they always were really good about giving us cool experiences and giving us things to do and keeping us curious about the world. So I grew up hiking in the woods with my dad, and we'd walk around. Um, It was his hunting grounds where they'd go off hunting, but we'd be walking in the woods all day, turning over logs, looking for earthworms, salamanders, seeing what's under there. The fun stuff just looking to see what's nice. under there um we would go to um michigan state university every year has a vet school okay uh, well they have a vet school all the time but every year they have an open house for their vet school okay and they call it vet a visit and we would drive there and go watch um baby animals being born and watch what do the vets do there and so on and so wow. Um, they would take us on tours of the state capitol. Okay. You know, so a lot of these things were free mm-hmm. um, or really, really cheap. Um, they didn't require a lot of money, but they were really good about always giving us cool things to do um, and would 
it, what I learned from there was to be curious about the world. Okay. And I was just, yep. and I don't know exactly what got me that way, but I loved learning about things. It really didn't matter what it was. Mm -hmm. So I love to see, for example, I was the kid, uh, we would go on family vacations, and I'd be the kid who brought his butterfly net around whatever part of the country we were in. I wanted to just to see what bugs were there. Okay. Um, not because I didn't become an entomologist or anything. I didn't study them for me. I just wanted to know. Right. Or I was always the guy throwing flies into the spider's web to see what the spider would do. You know, and I would just sit there and watch, and I'd be fascinated right. about nature and so on and so um that was kind of what growing up was like um and that just sort of stayed with me um and um yeah i, I was always kind of that kind of student i was always curious wanting to learn things school was always really important to me okay um mainly because i stunk at other things like sports <laughs> <laughs> and so i was good at school that's where i could be good you know i yep. could succeed so um, I always I hated to miss school. If I had to miss school, I hated it. Um, it was also where my friends were. Yep. But um, mostly I just liked learning. I didn't care what the subject was. I really just wanted to absorb it and, and know it because it was there. Okay. Nice. So obviously, as you were saying, not sports. Sports were not part of your life. What I mean, we tried. Well, I, mean, I, yeah, I spent a year on a soccer team. That was terrible. And I think I played football up through... Uh, ninth grade or something like that, but like I break, I broke my hand or something like that, so I couldn't even really play much yeah. of the season. So, yeah, I, I stunk at it. I liked <laughs> trying, but I was not good at it. Right. Um, what did you do outside of digging through the dirt? Were there other things that you were involved in? Oh, I mean, we were always, um, we we were always involved. I grew up Lutheran. Okay. So we were always involved in our church. Yep. Um, and so whatever the church was doing, if there was youth programming or something, we were going to there. We were always going to, you know, father-son banquets and, yep. okay. and um, whatever the church was going on. If they were putting on a musical or something, we would go see that. Um, if the school was putting something on, we would go see that. Um, we did lots of stuff. You know, we'd go to the movies. Yep. Um, and we'd watch, you know, we would go to um, the Second Run Theater. Yep. Um, it was called The Harbor in Muskegon. They showed sign of Second Run movies. Mm -hmm. And I never knew. I watched commercials as a kid and growing up, and my parents would always go, well, let's wait and see until it comes to the harbor. And I would go, great. And then finally the movie would be at the harbor, and we would go. Yeah. You know, and I was great. I loved it. Good. Um, we were always um, running around. We played outside all the time. Um, now, we did have video games, sort yeah. of. I mean, this was when the Atari 2600 was in its heyday. Right. Um, and so, but we didn't have a lot of games for it. But, you know, we'd say, I remember playing Pac-Man because mm -hmm. it came with the game a lot. And um, But, you know, the thing is, even though we had the video games, I think I still did way, me personally, I did more playing outside right. than I did on the video games. Um, I know some people really got into the video games, but mm -hmm. for the most part, I would play outside. We had bikes. We'd ride them all over, okay. build jumps outside. Um, sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you didn't. And we would just stay out all uh, all day until um, my folks, would. they had this bell that they was attached to our deck. And they would ring the bell, and the rule was when you heard the bell, you had to come home. Right. Um, usually because it was dinner or it was too dark and you mm -hmm. had to be home. And so as long as we were kind of in within earshot of the bell, we were good to go. Nice. And my parents would ring that, and we would do all kinds of stuff like that. But, yeah, we played all the time. Okay. Um, whatever neighbor kids were in the neighborhood, let's play. And we were just out there doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I was always kind of 
curious about learning things. I was kind of creating things um, on a rainy day. The best thing you could give me was a box of crayons and a stack of white paper. Right. And just let me go for it. And I would come up with these little books I would make. And I would uh, kind of, you know, stick like eight or ten sheets of paper together, fold them in half, and kind of staple them. Yep. So now you've got a booklet. Right. And I would just fill the pages in the booklet with different things like I would come up with um, spy cars or something. So I would right. come up with different okay. kinds of cars or whatever it was I was able to draw that day. I would put mm. into the books or... Um, I remember growing up one day, I was, well, not one day, but I remember growing up at one time, I was fascinated by the stars mm-hmm. and the constellations in the sky. And so this was back in the days before Wikipedia. If you wanted to learn something about the world, you had to go get the hardbound encyclopedia off of your parents' bookshelf and flip it open. And there would be all of the knowledge right. of the universe in these 26 volumes, A through Z. And that's how you would learn things. There was no online searching right. or anything. Um, but in there, I would start looking for the constellations. Okay. And then I would copy them into my booklets. So then I made little constellation books. That's really cool. And once I made one, then I would kind of copy them. I'd hand copy them and I'd sell them for like a nickel or something stupid like that. <laughs> you know. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get rich. But you know, I was right. always creating things like that. Okay. You know, which some people would say were silly, but. For me, it was just staying busy, yeah. staying occupied. Exactly. Um, I was always wanting to learn. I was always trying to create. I wasn't good, really, at any of that mm-hmm. stuff. It, that didn't matter. Right. It was just that I I wanted to know. Yeah. I wanted to learn. So, yeah, I did a lot more than just, you know, walking around in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, did your ever-enduring quest for knowledge ever get you into any trouble? Did my... In- Quest for knowledge ever get me into trouble? Well, the only, the biggest trouble I remember being in when I was, this was fourth grade. Okay. And the quest for knowledge, the knowledge I was questing for was trying to be like the cool kids. Because I was never one of the cool kids. Um, I'm still not. But um, now it's just I don't care. Back then it was important. Right. And so I wanted to be like the cool kids. Well, the cool, and these were like the, the kind of the, the rough boys, you know, mm-hmm. who were kind of known for being troublemakers and yep. whatnot. Well, they were throwing, and we played marbles as a kid growing yep. up, too. Yeah. I don't know if they play marbles anymore, but I don't we would go outside on the parking lot. Or not in the parking lot, but in the playground. We had a kind of a dirt playground, and you would make a little pot with your foot. Yep. You would dig it out with your foot, and then you would play marbles. And so... There was this fad for a few years where every spring, kids were bringing their bags of marbles to the school. Well, one day, the rough, tough kids were not playing marbles. These were the cool kids, mind you. And mm-hmm. I was trying to be like, hey, I want to be cool, too. Right. And they were throwing these. If you've seen, like, they have different kinds of marbles, different size. Yep. Like, you got, like, the marbles. Then you got the boulders. Yep. And then you had the jumbos, right? Mm-hmm. The jumbos were really, like, you're, like bigger than your eyeballs. They were huge. Yeah. And so you had the jumbos. Well, they were taking these marbles, these jumbos, and they were throwing them against the brick wall of the school. And um, they were athletic, so they could aim their throw really well. Well, I wanted to try and do that, too. So I thought, okay, I got this. I want to be like the cool kids. So they handed me the jumbo and let me whip it. So I whip it up the wall. Well, what's above four feet off the ground are classroom windows. And so one throw... Didn't even get a chance to try again. 
went straight through the window, shatters the window. The kids that were in that classroom at the time who were not on recess start poking their heads out the window. And they do that collective thing that kids do when, they, when you're in trouble. They're like, ooh. Yeah. And then they shift. They're like, ooh. That's how you know you're in a lot of trouble because they would shift into different gears. So it would be like, ooh. And I'm just sitting there turning six shades of red going, Damn. this is the end of my life. I felt like um, uh, you've seen A Christmas Story with Ralphie yep. when he drops the F-bomb. Mm-hmm. And he's feeling the dread of the impending doom that's about to yep. befall him once his father comes in and, and punishes him. That's what I felt like in that moment. <laughs> And all my friends are like, oh, "Are you gonna get suspended? Are you gonna like, you know, like I just done the worst thing yeah. ever?" But when you're in fourth grade, that is the worst yeah, thing yeah. ever. And um, yeah, so I did get in trouble for that. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing that I did. Um, it totally ran counter to my little narrative as, you know, the straight A good student. But it was the day I I, I danced with the rough boys, with the cool kids, and uh, yeah, I I paid for it. So. To this day, I don't bother with the cool kids anymore. Right. I just accept my place with the dregs of humanity, <laughs> and uh, I'm fine being there. Right. It's okay. We're happy. Everybody's good. That's what matters. <laughs> um, I can't remember if you mentioned it. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have one of each, one okay. brother and one sister. They're both younger than me. Okay. Uh, my brother is two years younger than me. He works in um, heating and air conditioning. He's an HVAC designer. So he does um, designing for these big corporations. He doesn't just do the house calls and things like that. But he's uh, kind of engineers the systems for uh, big companies So on a commercial level. But that's where he went to uh, college to learn to do. Um, He's got four kids. So I've got nieces and uh, a nephew who Mm -hmm. I love very much. And then my sister um, is works in public relations. Okay. So she would be more of the communications yep. side. There you She's go. a cousin to the communications people. So you're not wrong. Those people do exist. <laughs> it's just there's a difference. Right. Um, I'm not bitter about it. I just talk about it every no, day. Oh, yeah. Um, and so she works uh, public relations for um, a trucking company here, actually, in Holland. Okay. Um, it's S, uh, Holland, SAF Holland, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Holland, yeah. So they she handles their... You know, public relations and so on. Um, in um, and she works out of Muskegon. Okay. So, yep, got one brother, one sister. Love them both. Okay. What was that like growing up? Uh, well, I mean, for she, my, our sister is uh, she's ten years younger than my brother and twelve okay. years younger than me. So I would, I really was out of the house and off into college when she was doing much of her right. growing up years. Um, which kind of is a pain in the butt because it means I didn't get a chance to see her that often in that uh, way. But my brother and I, we were only two years apart, and we were like you would expect, you know, loving each other one day, beating the crap out of each other the next day. And I'm sure we drove my parents crazy. Um, But, yeah, I mean, nowadays I look back, now that we're all grown up, I I love them both. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for either of them. But, yeah, growing up, I mean, it was (laughs) – like you would see it. some days a war zone right. like in, in any other family and yeah. we were no different you know we we're some days we were just at each other's throats and you know because that's kids they don't have that perspective they don't right. know what they're doing it's exactly just, everything's a 10 you know five alarm emergency and then mm-hmm. i hate your guts well i hate yours too and then tomorrow we'd be off playing and whatever 
playing Contra together on yep. the Nintendo Entertainment System because we've up- upgraded by that point. <laughs> we're, we're past the Atari 2600. We got our Nintendo. So we're teaming up playing, you know, playing two-player Contra. Okay. And I wasn't good either, so we would use the cheat code to oh, get the, yeah. the 99 lives. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was me growing up. Yeah. So, um, okay. So talk about high school. What was that like for you? Obviously, good student. Yeah, I mean, I was a pretty good student. I, I liked it. I enjoyed school. Um, high school was, again, it was just an extension of my place to thrive. I yeah. mean, I'm really lucky that, you know, school for me, I love it because it's 12 years long plus kindergarten. So it was something I could spend a long time being good at. Um, and it's the place where I thrived. I I loved all my teachers. I liked the different subjects that you could take. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, I've, I've still got a lot of friends yep. um, from high school that I keep in touch with. Now, Facebook's been great for that because we all kind of find oh, each yeah. other out of the woodwork now. And, right. And so even people that you didn't really hang out with in high school, you're like, oh, we're high school buddies now. Know, you know, know, yeah. yeah, we're classmates. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of, some of those clicky things kind of go away. And, right. You know, when you're in high school, you're you're experiencing a lot of that clicky stuff. But I was always kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was just me being dumb or aloof or whatever or... But I was kind of a boundary spanner. You know, I ran with a lot of different yep. people, um, just depending on the class. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying they were all my best friends or that we were all hanging out at each other's houses, but, you know, I would kind of talk to a little bit of every kind of person. You were in each group. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know that I was the leader of any of them or that I was even a card-carrying member of all of them, but I just, I would talk to them, yeah. you know? And I know mm-hmm. some of the groups never crossed boundaries, but I kind of did. And right. You know, a few of the people that I know would, would, would do that. So I would talk to, you know, some of the jocks. And I wasn't a jock, and I wasn't good at it. And, right. You know, they didn't really care. And um, and I would, you know, hang with some of the smart people. And I would hang with, uh, um, really, the music people. Yeah. That's where I kind of found my stride. Okay. Um, so I was really big into instrumental music mm-hmm. um, in high school growing up. Um marching band we had a a competitive marching band okay. that not while i was in it but since has gone on to win several state championships oh wow and earned a lot of national recognition mm-hmm. so they've really um become something okay um but we were you know i was part of that band at the beginning yeah um, i played the jazz band growing up okay um or i played yeah bass guitar in the jazz band so if you really want to be able to Mm-hmm. You know, get the girls. You gotta play the guitar, right? right? Exactly. So I thought, well, this is great. So okay. Um, and then I also played trombone growing up ever since fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So then you know they you're in fifth grade and they have music day where they put all the instruments on the table and they say, all right, here, try to play this, try to play this, try to play this, and they give you the mouthpieces for all of them. Yep. And I guess I was able to do the trombone one right. Okay. And so they're like, okay, Jason, you're gonna play the trombone. So I stayed with that all the way through high school and into college. Okay. Actually, um, but music was really really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. Um, like I said, our jazz band would play at the basketball games in high school. Oh, okay. And so um, I got a chance to play there. Um, we had a, a, a director who was really great about giving us opportunities to play off campus. Mm-hmm. So we would do a lot of uh, jazz festivals, jazz competitions, and so okay. on at places like local colleges and so on. would host one, and then we would go play there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a lot of great chances to do 
that kind of thing and practice performing and practice uh, our showmanship. Yep. Um, and I loved it. You know, it was, again, it was something else. I, I, I'm not the greatest musician and I've right. never majored in it. And I know a lot of people who are way, 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 way better than I could ever be. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Right. And it was, again, something that I could be, have some success at. It's something that it taught me a lot of discipline. Um, it taught me about teamwork. Yep. It taught me about being part of a group. Um, and, yeah, so high school for me was hanging with the different groups, um, running with the different groups, and really kind of um, exploring the musical side. I kind of okay. did all the music ensembles you could. Mm -hmm. um, now I never got into the theater side or the choir side, but the instrumental stuff. Okay. I totally did. And, yeah, that was high school. Did I you guess. do, you know, work now, did your faith follow you into high school? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it was kind of always there. Okay. You know, for I grew up, like I said, I I never really had the thunder and lightning moment where Jesus spoke and said, Jason, you will believe in me. And, right. and, you know, and you will go to the Lutheran church. And it was never anything. I mean, I just always grew up with it. It was mm -hmm. kind of always um, a backdrop in our life. And it was also something that we would uh, pay attention to right um and so i kind of i never knew any other kind of life we just woke up sunday morning my mom would make cinnamon rolls and that was, was you know the things you just get at my or whatever she'd make a, a thing of cinnamon rolls mm -hmm. again sibling rivalry i'd fight with my brother we, we would I mean, we would get in a fist fights over the middle cinnamon yep. roll the good one right the, yeah the one that got all the frosting oh, because yeah. it was kind of sunken down and it really got all the frosting and so we would go crazy. I would like, and so my mom had to get mad and like alternate the weeks and say, "Oh, okay, Jason, you get it this time, and Ryan, you get it next week." And we would try to, no, he had it last week. And anyway, right. so that was Sunday morning, and we'd go to church, and um, and that's what we would do. So as far as uh, you know, I was confirmed, and then went through that whole thing up into uh, middle or well, up in junior high for me. Okay, um, ninth grade is when we got confirmed in our church. Okay. Um, and then in even into high school i was um i guess the president of our youth group and okay. uh, for a couple years and would would do things with the youth group um again i ran with a lot of different kinds of people some of those people were friends from school and some were friends from other schools okay because there were a lot of schools that fed into this church and so again it was another chance for me to see different kinds of people i think that's one of the things i learned to do too is i always I learned, I got an appreciation for being around people and with people. Gotcha. And I loved knowing people and new kinds of people. Yeah. Um, I think my parents modeled that for me really well. They had a lot of different kinds of friends. Again, nobody's really flashy and nobody's got a bunch of money or anything, but they loved being around people. They loved entertaining, having parties. They loved going out with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and they taught me to appreciate other people in your life. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to get through this thing on your own, and you're going to need to lean on other people. Mm -hmm. And um, that was instilled at an early age, and in, you know, to include with my faith life too. Yeah, you know, the okay. church. You're around different kinds of people. For me, it was yeah, I'll go to church. More kinds of people I can right. hang out with. Exactly. Um, did that lead into you know volunteering and other stuff like that through the church? Yeah, we did. I mean, our youth group would do a lot of service projects and so on okay um and so the kids as far as we would go we would kind of volunteer um to 
cook, cook breakfast. We did like an Easter breakfast okay. where the youth group would handle all of the, the footwork for that. We raked leaves um, for a lots of different houses or whatever they could hire yep. the youth group. You know, we, and then the money we would just kind of put up in a pot somewhere and we'd use that to offset the funding for our trips and yeah. the things we wanted to go okay. to. So if we wanted to go to Cedar Point or we wanted to go to ski trips or whatever, then that's where the money would come from for those gotcha. things. Okay. Um, so we learned kind of a service that way, yeah. which I guess isn't pure volunteering because we kind of sort of got like a donation, but yeah. it wasn't like, you know, you're getting paid a wage or right, anything. Right, exactly. We would rake the leaves whether they gave us 10 bucks or 50. We, you know, we, yeah. we're going to show up and rake the leaves. And again, for me, it was a chance to be around my friends. Exactly. You know, as long as I'm around people you like, um, you can. We could rake leaves every day, and I wouldn't care. Right. Exactly. You know, it, you don't care about going to your job. It doesn't feel like a job when you're hanging around people you like. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times, like I'll talk to youth group directors today, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, you really just gotta." Do more ski trips and more Cedar Point trips and put more fun things out there for the kids to do, and that'll get them to come and show up for our events. And I'm like, no, Not at all. you don't. You need to get them to like being around each other. Right. You need to get them to want to see each other as their own reward. And if you do that, which is really, really hard, admittedly, yeah. but that's what really matters. It doesn't matter what ski trips you put on. If they don't like being around each other or they don't see each other as a crowd worth running around with, they're not going to come to your ski trip. No, they're going to be miserable. Yeah. You can bring in the greatest. You could give everybody free tickets to a concert, and if they're not with the people that they like, they're not, they don't care. Exactly. So I was lucky that we had that. You know, we were able to have a group that bonded like that, and yeah. we liked being around each other, so we had a good core group of people. And, uh, you know, I learned the importance of community yep. through that. I learned the importance of relationships through that. I learned the importance of um, having other people in your life um, and all that kind of stuff was modeled through my church life. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, sometimes it worked as just kind of it was just kind of what you did. You know, right. that was the churches there, and that's where you go for a lot of these things. Yeah. For me, it wasn't something that was a big, massive chore. It was just what we did. Mm-hmm. You know. Nice. Okay, so now moving on to college. What mm-hmm. colleges did you look at? So what did I look at? Um, I'll be honest. I grew up, funny enough. Um, as a Michigan fan, University of Michigan okay. fan. I I don't know why, to be honest with you. I think it was because my brother wanted to go to Michigan State, or he was a Michigan State fan, and I just wanted to antagonize him. Right. So I can't be the same. So I'm going to be a Michigan fan. So brothers. growing up, my parents would buy my brother Michigan State stuff for Christmas, and I would get Michigan stuff, yeah. and we'd wear it and hate each other. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and just it, it antagonize each other. Yeah. So I was always big on Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and then I actually did apply, and I got in. Okay. Um, so I got into the U of M, and that was kind of my plan um, until the cost came in. Yeah. I looked at the price tag for all of that, yep. and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to need to get some scholarship money. So then I started to look in the books for scholarships and different things I could apply for, yep. and um, at the end of the day... Um, I was also looking at um, Western Michigan University is what I came down to. I I wish I could say I had the luxury to look at a bunch of different places, but I didn't really. Mm -hmm. I kind of just, 
I don't know what steered me toward Western to start with, but it might have been a scholarship opportunity that I saw there. Okay. And so I sent an application to Western and to Michigan. I got into both, mm -hmm. and then it came down to, well, who's going to give me the most money to go there? Because right. I can't afford, exactly. you know, yeah. just everywhere. Um, I can't pay the full price. So at the end of the day, when you add it all up, Western came through with more scholarship money for me. Okay. And it made it... Uh, more affordable for me to go there. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going down to Kalamazoo. Um, I became a Bronco. And so that was college. Okay. Um, and then I still played my trombone. Oh, there we go. So I had my trombone with me, and I played for five years uh, in the Bronco marching band. Nice. Down in Kalamazoo. I, so the thing was, I honestly, I, I'm a full believer in the community colleges and all yeah. that sort of thing. I have no problem with that. And I was considering going to community college yep. and saving some money um but i wanted to be in a big college marching band oh you know, i had a lot of fun with marching band in high school mm -hmm. um we were successful we competed um and great camaraderie and i knew that there were some amazing benefits of being in the marching band yeah and that just got me hooked on that and so i wanted to be in a big college marching band and i couldn't do that at community right. college so the, the places I was looking for, like Michigan has a marching band. I'm like, that would have been great. But I also knew Western had a marching band. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I got down there, that was the first thing I did in the fall was go to band camp okay. in college at, yeah. at Western because you get to move into your dorm like a week before everybody else mm -hmm. does. So it was kind of cool. You could take your time. And, yeah. and right then I had an instant 250-member family because right. yeah, there are 250 uh, students in the, in the band. And... Um, I didn't really have to join a fraternity or a sorority or anything. Not that there's anything against. I had anything against those things. Yeah. I just didn't need to because I already had my social circle was 250 large, and it was co-ed. Yeah, so very true. Yeah, right. So it's not like I have to go pay a bunch of money just to hang out with some dudes. Yeah. Uh, I've got no. I've got men and women here. This is great. So nice. <laughs> I got friends, and you know, they also yeah. have. Yeah, it was all there. All so. Right. That was, um, yeah, that was college. Um, I majored in biomedical science. Okay. So I was actually a pre-med major. Okay. Um, my mom is, an, well, she's now retired, but she's a nurse mm -hmm. uh, by training, and she was a pediatric nurse. Okay. And so ever since I was really tall, or really short, really little, um, my mom would ask, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she planted the seed that, well, you could be a doctor. And that's uh, that sounded good, you yeah. know. Doctors oh, yeah. make a lot of money; they get well respect in the, you know, a lot of respect in the community. So, okay, I'll be a doctor. Yeah, that's what I thought I wanted to be all the way up through college. Mm -hmm. And so I majored in pre med or biomedical science because you can't. There really isn't a major called pre med. Pre med just means you plan to yeah. to go to medical school, or you want to go to med school. Um, and so uh, I majored in that, took all the hard science classes, took all the physics classes, took calculus up the wazoo, um, and I loved it. Okay. You know, I really loved what I was learning, except for one, there's only one class that I didn't do very well in, um, and I'm not blaming the professor, but it, I had a really hard time with this particular <laughs> professor, and he will go nameless, um, but this was uh, organic chemistry which any pre-med major will tell you is the weeder course. I hear the horror stories even here at home. Yeah, they'll yeah. tell you that's the class. And I, I feel like the chemistry department's just kind of snicker, like, ha, 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 wait till you get in here, buddy. Right. You have no idea what's waiting for you. And uh, I didn't. Right. And I got in there. I, and I literally, this, you know, this, I've heard stories 
of people doing this. I've never seen it happen, but it absolutely happened. The professor I had, he was right-handed, okay. and he would hold the chalk in his right hand, and he would hold the eraser in his left hand, and he would walk across the board writing these chemical equations and erasing them when you would get to the end of his arm, his wingspan. Oh. And so if you didn't get it down, you only had a split second of time to grab it, or you missed it. He literally wrote that way because I'm old enough to have gone to college before whiteboards and smartboards and any of that kind of stuff. We used chalk, man. (laughs) And it was dust. And you would have chalk dust on the professor. You'd see the chalk dust on their pants and all that when they put their hands in their pockets and things. And, um, yeah, this guy literally did that. He wow. would walk, he would write with his right hand and erase with his left hand all on the same line. And, uh, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be rough, you know? So mm-hmm. I hung in there and nobody probably knows this because, you know, I went on to become a professor here at the esteemed Hope College, but I got a C in college in organic okay. chemistry. It's the only C I got in college. Um, I'm not. I wasn't an all A student when it got to, came to college. Um, I had to learn. Actually, I, I got a lot of uh, B's and some A's. Um, only one C, but a lot of B's and some A's. I wasn't an all A student anymore. Okay. Um, and the thing that I had to learn was how to study. Yeah. I did not know how to study, um, and I see students like this all the day, all the time that come in here, and I'd be the first to share my story. Right. With them. And I mean, that was me yeah. coming in was. You know, nothing against my high school, but no, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't rigorous. The high school was easy. Yeah, exactly. I watched the movie Rudy. I don't know yeah. how many times in health class. Yeah. So it's like I got here, and actually, a kid from my high school came in the year after me, and I was asking him, "Okay, how's your freshman year?" And he's like, "Dude, yeah, I didn't know how to study. Like, right. I was not prepared for this at all." I'm like, "Exactly." Exactly. I mean, I'll see it all the time here. You'll get students that come in as freshmen. And they think that the progression is the same as the distance between, you know, you go from ninth grade to 10th grade, 10th to 11th, 11th to 12th, and they think from 12th to college is going to be the same exactly. distance. And it's like a, a, a like a mountain. Yeah. You know, you oh, go yeah. up these little hills from 9th to 10th to 11th to 12th, and then you have to, you stare at a mountain. Yep. The gap is huge. It's not the same um distance as your other grades were exactly and i was in it and i was stuck and i'm like man what am i gonna do you know Mm -hmm. so i had to learn about things like time management and i had to learn about how to say hey guys i know you want to go get chicken wings at b-dubs but i can't do that tonight because i got to study for such and such exam exactly my biochem exam is tomorrow and i'm just gonna have to bow out on this one um I had to learn that, hey, the people who are really going to be my friends are going to understand. Exactly. And they're still going to be my friends even after I turn them down for one night. Exactly. You know? And so you had to just learn to develop that courage and take care of you and do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, I saw other students that were in there that were just flying by and never had to bat an eyelash. And they were, you know, eights in organic chemistry. And Mm -hmm. I would just sit there and go... You know, why can't I be more like them? Well, the reason I can't is because I'm not them. Exactly. And I got to be more like me. Yeah. And so I got to figure out what does Jason need to do? Mm-hmm. And that's what I ha- I teach my students here at Hope is don't try to do it like everybody else is. I can share my story about what worked for me, but you got to find out what's going to work for you. Exactly. And do it. 
and what works for your classmates, what works for your fraternity mate brothers, what works for your sorority sisters might not be the same thing that works for you. Right. And don't assume that just because they look like they've got it all put together doesn't mean they do. Right, exactly. Uh, there might be a lot of good reasons why you don't want to do it that yeah. way. And so I had to learn all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you know. So um, that my C was kind of my gut check moment. That was kind of my, okay, time to come to Jesus and figure out what I want to do here. But, yeah. of course, it also maybe you know, you were sharing before we started rolling the, the tape here that, you were kind of you'd come to a crossroads and what am I going to do with my life? That was mine, right? Like, what do I do? Should I just chuck it all and become a you know? I've got this biomed degree. Should I become a biology teacher or something like that? If I'm not cut out for medicine, blah 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 blah. And uh, so I was always worried about what I'm going to do. Yeah. Anyway, I got through it, finished college, um, and wanted to i was in the middle of filling out a med school application i did take the mcat okay um did okay mm -hmm. um didn't ace it but did okay yeah and then i also um was filling out a med school application um and in that moment i that's where the thunder and lightning hit me that just said jason you don't want to be this kind of doctor anymore right i don't want to do this anymore i'm not sure what i'm going to do i kind of came to a crossroads in my own life and um, I always kind of knew I wanted to, I had this nagging feeling that I wanted to keep learning yep. in kind of the formal setting that universities yeah. can provide. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what I wanted to do now. And so um, I went back and talked to, you said you had some mentors that you went back and yeah. talked to to get a little bit of guidance. I yeah. did the same thing. I went and found my mentors and found my guidance counselor at the time or my advisor when I was at uh, um, Western. Yep and explained my situation and i said well you know i don't know what i want to do really i've got this biomedical science degree um i thought maybe i could get into maybe pharmaceutical sales you okay. know because that's not so bad they make a lot of money you get right. a free car you get to back then you could wine and dine the doctors so yeah. you had this expense account blah 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 and all you got to do is talk about the medicines and get yeah. put to sell you know prescribe your medicines so I thought, well, this could be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was explaining that to the advisor, the advisor goes, well, you know, you don't really, because I thought maybe I needed a master's degree in yeah. something to do that. And he said, you don't really need a master's degree. I go, no. He goes, well, why don't you, yeah, what about, um, why don't you get like a second bachelor's in something like public relations? Okay. And so um, I thought, okay, well, that sounds okay. I'll get a second bachelor's in public relations, and then I'll combine that and go work in the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. So um, as it turns out at Western, the public relations, they do have a public relations major. Okay. And it's in their school of communication. Okay. And so now I'm totally switching gears. I was a hard science guy who's taken, you know, biology, mm -hmm. chemistry, physics, calculus, all of those. Loved it, except organic. Yeah. Sorry to my chemistry professors. I love you dearly, and that's why I'm so glad that you um, are able to do this because I couldn't do it. Um, but I love you for being able to because we need people who understand that. Yes, we do. <laughs> so anyway, that was my little disclaimer. Um, and so uh, uh, I had this you know, hard science background, mm -hmm. and now I'm totally switching into um, the social sciences. Right. And um, fortunately, science is science. 
Right. I'm here to tell you right now, science is science. Science is not a content area. It's a process. Yep. It's a way of trying to understand the world. It's a way of trying to develop answers about the world and to learn what's going on. Yep. Um, it's not dissecting sharks or fetal pigs or mixing test tubes together. That's not science. You're using science maybe to get at those chemical questions or biological questions, but the science is the process. And so um, that's how they studied it. A lot of the professors at Western studied it. They studied communication and public relations as a science. So they would do experiments. They would do surveys. Mm -hmm. They learned statistics. They learned how to do um, quantitative research. And so I was learning those things. Not only that, but I'm taking classes like interpersonal communication. I'm taking classes that we offer here at Hope. Um, I'm taking communication theory, um, which is important to science. Science is good for theory building. Um, It's important for theory building. And so I'm taking these classes, and in there we're learning about things like self-disclosure. We're learning about things like reciprocity and... um, and and uncertainty reduction and all of these theories and theoretical ideas mm-hmm. um, that I could see and I've never been able to see a molecule, yeah. you know, That's other than true. you know yeah. when you go to science fair and you have the 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 straws and the yep. styrofoam balls and you stick them together and they're like okay there is water and I'm like what that what right okay I couldn't see that but I could see self disclosure and I could see active listening mm-hmm. and I could see a lot of these things in my daily life right and um, I just fell in love with the topic I fell in love with studying communication I fell in love with studying how people make sense of one another and um, so to make a short story boring what I did then was I took um, I, I, I never actually finished the public relations major okay but I took a, a, a couple years worth of communication classes mm-hmm. and that's when I thought gosh I really like this communication thing and so I went to the uh, department at Western, the Department of Communication, and said, hey, you've got a master's degree in communication. Um, I've got this undergrad degree already finished, and I've got this handful of credits in communication, and they let me into their master's program. Okay. So I never actually finished the second bachelor's degree. I just went ahead and started as a master's student okay. in communication. Well, then the door blew wide open for me yep. because now um, people, um, anybody who's been to grad school will tell you it's a whole different animal than undergrad. Mm-hmm. Undergrad, as much as I love our undergrad here, um, and uh, undergrad in general at a lot of places is kind of um, memorize these you know, bold type words from chapters one through three yep. and the exam will be on in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and so these students just study with flashcards and so on and blah, 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 blah. Grad school is... Here are four articles, or here's a couple chapters from a book. I want you to read through those and bring your discussion ideas to class. Okay. And we're going to talk about them as a, in a seminar style. Yep. Well, I want to hear your ideas and your thoughts before I start just telling you what to learn from it. And okay. so it's a, it kind of flips it. You kind of take charge of your own yeah. learning that way. And to me, it was really interesting because oh, then yeah. I could, yeah, I could explore the parts of the chapters or the parts of the ideas or of the uh, articles that I liked right, or exactly. that spoke to me. And other people, when we would talk in the seminar format, they would talk about different parts that spoke to them, 
and I would write down, oh gosh, I didn't think about it that way. And I would kind of write down the little nugget there and go, all right. So it's a different way of learning. Um, and actually, that's what I do kind of in my classes here at Hope, is I treat my undergrads like mini-grad students. Oh, okay. And so I give them a taste. I go, I mean, there's a reason you came to Hope. You're paying $40,000 a year to live here, right? You should get something you for the your, Yeah, and you should want that. Yeah. You shouldn't want to just be treated like Mick College down the road or somewhere else. Right. Right? Um, you want you want a, a unique hope experience. Yeah. Well, for me, one of those things is bringing some of the graduate student experience into our communication classrooms. And I tell my students that right off the bat is I'm going to treat you like grad students. I know you're not, right. but I think you can do it, or else I wouldn't treat you this way. Right. You just have to convince yourself you can do it. Okay. I already know you can, and so here we go. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and so I mean, I don't know if it's I, if it's awesome or not, but I feel like you know you need to be pushed. Right. No. Right. I, that's you, definitely a different way of teaching. Yeah. Because I never experienced that in any of my classes, and that's not you know a knock on any of my professors. That's just you know, and I guess I never looked at it as I didn't want to go to grad school, so I was totally fine with learning in your stereotypical undergrad sense of sitting there, like you said. Studying the bold-faced words. Here's what we're, it's going to be on the exam. The exam's in two weeks. Yeah. Well, even if you don't go to grad school, there's still no downside to learning right, in that exactly. way. Right, And that's not where I was. Obviously, I would love to encourage as many of our students who want to. I want to support them and help them if they want to go to grad school. Yeah, but if you don't, that's fine, too. My Our goal is to produce lifelong learners. Right. I want to produce effective citizens in the world whether you're making widgets or digging ditches or you're off, you know, curing cancer somewhere, right. we still need people to be concerned citizens in the world yep. who are concerned about global issues, who have a service mindset, and um, who want to continually push themselves to keep learning. Right. And so whether you go to grad school or not, that's just a different way of kind of formalizing your education. Mm -hmm. It's not the only thing you can learn from. Right. So even for the students who don't do it, I still tell them, I'm going to treat you like grad students because this is going to flex your learning muscles in a yep. way that you haven't seen before. And it's like, you know, you're working at the, out at the gym or whatever. If you don't, if you keep doing the same routine over and over and over, what happens? You're going to plateau. Yeah. You're not going to gain anything at all. Yeah, your body builds up the muscle memory and it learns and it adjusts and says, this is all we're going to have to do. Okay, fine. Yeah. Right? So you never get any stronger. Exactly. You never lose any more weight. You never, whatever it is, you don't change. The only way it can change you is if you change something. Exactly. So I do that with their learning. I say, you're probably used to a certain kind of learning that you got in high school. This is going to be different. Right. It's going to be okay. Exactly. I had, no student has died on my watch yet, and I'm not going <laughs> to let them, you know. Right. No, yeah. That's, wow. So I don't know where I was with that, with your, with your chronology or your timeline. No, I probably no, no. jumped around. I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. Wow. That, because, yeah, like. Am I doing it right? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I've it's had, my first Hope College podcast, so I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Trust me. I've had my podcast get hijacked before. So Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm no, a hijacker. No, no, no. no. Uh, worse now. No. <laughs> I've, I've jumped around so much on these episodes. The okay, listeners good. will tell you. But no, I mean, that's... Wow. Like, I don't have words to describe that. Just that thought process. Like... I'm just sitting here. I'm sure you could see my jaw was just dropping as you were speaking because it's like, 
yeah, I'm so used to, like I was saying, your stereotypical thought process of here's what you're learning, here's what I need you to study, this is what's going to be on the exam. I was never in a class where it's like, here's what I want you to read, come into class, you tell me what you thought about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, here's what you're going to think about it. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me, what are you thinking? Like, Yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're reading your books, don't highlight the stuff in there. That's usually pointless. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, highlighting does no good. Underlining does no good unless you actually go back and reread what you highlighted. So you'll buy these books that are just highlighted like crazy. I'm sure they didn't help that student get any better grade than they would have had they not highlighted. Right. So I tell them don't highlight, but what you should do is write questions and ideas in the margins. Yes. Get your pencil if you're afraid and you don't want to mark it up, or who cares? Use your pen. I don't care. You're going to keep keep this book. Yeah. Keep your books. Um, you don't have to sell them back so quickly. I mean, this is where your knowledge is, man. Um, and but write ideas, or if you don't want to write them in the book, take notes. Yeah. And put page 24. Here's a question I had under this passage. Bring those questions or those ideas with you to class. That's how you get the most out of your book. That's how you get you the most out of the seminar-type class right. format. Um, now, it does require you to be a little more active. Yes. You know, you definitely. can't just sit back and not participate. But if you learn how to do it and you let yourself kind of give over to the process, I think you find that you get a lot more out of it than if you just sat back and regurgitated bold-type words from your chapters. Now, I'm oversimplifying that. Not all no, yeah, yeah, high yeah. schools are like that, and certainly not all undergraduate programs are like that. Yeah. Um, but And I'll admit that. But, um, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man, there's so much that I want to talk about, but well, where do you want to go? What time, how much time do you have? Well, how much where time are we at? You have... I don't know what time is it. It is 2.49 right now. I know oh, you okay. you need to get out of here by 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> Just kind of briefly sum up post-college life up until now. So, post-college life. Um, graduated um, from uh, Western, and then I finished my master's degree there, also okay. at Western. Yep. So then at that point, I was really hooked on doing research. Yep. And so uh, I did a small research project when I was a master's student at uh, Western. I did some uh, projects with the faculty there and helped them with their research kind of as a lab grunt. Yep. Um, And I just kind of loved the idea of doing research. And so somebody said, well, hey, if you really want to kind of blow this up and get good at research, go get a Ph.D., and I thought, what? In what? And they go, well, they have PhDs in communication if you like communication. I go, are you kidding me? I can get a PhD in something we do every day. And they wow. go, yeah. I go, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, where do I go for that? And they said, well, right now, uh, the best kind of one of the top programs in the country for communication is at Michigan State. And they have a department of communication that's quite well reputed Mm -hmm. and i go well that's awesome because that's not very far from muskegon it's kind of in our backyard yeah and so um i'm simplifying the process but i called them up and basically they let me in okay and so i started uh as a phd student at michigan state and that's where i went and got um my doctorate from okay and that's when i fell in love with doing research all over again um i love coming up with answers to interesting questions yeah i love having a research toolbox that lets me try to come up with answers to some things um i like doing an experiment 
and looking at the results and seeing how it comes out and for a little bit of a time i'm the only person in the world who knows something brand new about the universe right that's cool to me yeah um i like that feeling um now obviously i'm not curing cancer or anything like that no, when you find that out then but you know it's still fun it's a little it thing that i study but it's it's fun um and i like you know then you write it up and you share it with the world and Wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. Go do another, answer another question. And it's just this process, this cycle that goes over and over and over again. That's science. It's a cycle. It's cyclic. Exactly. Um, it's a process that never really ends. It always builds on itself, and it always just keeps going. Mm -hmm. um, and I like being part of that machine. Yeah. I like being part of that process. So um, that was Michigan State. And um, after that, um, I had to get a job. Yep. So like you were telling me before we rolled the tape, you hit, you got graduated. You had to go get a job. Yeah. I something. was the same way. I'm like, okay, I'm out of degrees to get. Right. Right. You can't go anymore. We don't have. If, if we had a higher one than a PhD, I might try for it. Right. Because I loved being in school. Exactly. But um, the second best is that I get paid to teach school and be yeah. in school, sort of. Um, so I'm I'm a uh, I, I had to get a job. I went on the job market, and the one that panned out was at the University of Hawaii. Oh, okay. And so I lived in Hawaii for four years. That was my first professor job, where I learned to become a communication professor. Yep. And um, loved it. Loved. I did. I, I taught in flip flops and aloha shirts and shorts That's every awesome. day. Um, I would surf and scuba dive and mm -hmm. do all the things you do there. Snorkel, go to the beach. Um, I literally used to, I, to this day, funny enough, students might gripe because I require them today here at Hope to turn in papers in a hard copy form. Okay. I won't take email papers. Mm -hmm. Well, part of that came from Hawaii when I would require my students to do the same there, and I would take them and grade them at the beach. Okay. And so I would literally flip my surfboard over, put it in my lap like a desk, sit underneath a coconut tree, grade their papers, and then throw the papers in my backpack and take the surfboard out into the waves. That's awesome. And I couldn't do that with a laptop. Right. Right? And I certainly wouldn't want to take that to the beach. I can't get sand in it. I don't want it to get stolen, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So to this day, I still require my students to use, to turn in hard copies. They may not realize that it was facilitating my surfing. Um, but yeah, anyway, okay. that was uh, out in Hawaii, so mm -hmm. I did that for four years, and then um, the I wasn't desperate to leave Hawaii, but I started snooping the job ads just because, you know, because right. it is really expensive to stay out there. It's a yes. gorgeous place. I recommend anybody go to visit that they can, um, and to shameless plug, in May 2020, I'm planning to take a group of Hope students out there for an off-campus May term, Okay. and we're going to call it the Aloha May term, That's awesome. and so um, stay tuned for details on that, yes. listeners, and um, but uh, so I still love it. I still love Hawaii, but... It got to the point where um, I wanted to be closer to home, and um, I wanted the challenge of teaching in a different kind of place, yep. and so Hope College had a job that opened up, and they were looking for somebody who studies quantitative research methods, or uses quantitative research methods, and studies interpersonal communication. Perfect. I thought, bam, that's me, straight up. Yeah. Now, I had no idea what my chances were. Right. You know, I thought there's going to be hundreds of people gunning for this job. And uh, I went ahead and thought, well, I'll apply. Yeah. And my luck, I got an interview and ended up getting the job. Awesome. So I called my parents and said, hey, I'm moving back to Michigan. So it's really, really nice now because I was 4,500 miles from home. Yep. Now I'm 45 minutes from where right. I grew up. 
I can get back and see my family for soccer games or for school plays or for birthday parties and things like that. Um, I don't have to mail presents home anymore. And so it's been a blessing to be able to just be closer to home. Um, and also then the challenges of working at a different kind of place. Yeah, exactly. You know, Hawaii has 30,000 students. Hope has 3,000 students. Right. Um, Hawaii was a big state school. Hawaii, uh, Hope is a private school. Yeah. And so there were some challenges that I uh, looked forward to in terms of going to a different kind of place. Obviously, the students are a little bit different. Yep. Um, learning a new group of students. But, um, yeah, that kind of catches you up as far as now I work here. And this is, I'm in the middle of my seventh. I'm actually, while we're talking right now, I'm on my sabbatical semester. So I'm actually on campus, but I don't normally have to be on campus. Um, And I'm really, really lucky to have a job that lets me do this. So I can take some time off every few years and and go recharge and refresh and learn new ideas so that I can bring those ideas into the classroom uh, when I come back and hope students can benefit from that. Definitely. Um, But, yeah, it's, what am I, seventh year. So I'm in the middle of my seventh year. Okay. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. Okay. (laughs) Well, what else? To wrap this up, because you have four minutes left. Mm. Okay. So... I want you to do three things for me really quick. Yep. So I don't want a Webster's Dictionary definition. I want the Jason definition of what hope means. What does hope mean? The word hope or the word like hope. the Hope College? The word, yeah. The word hope to me means, ah, uh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot, but I'll see. I'm just going to shoot from the hip here yeah. because it's not like I'm walking around with a loaded definition or anything, but... <laughs> When I think of hope, I think of possibilities. Okay. I think of opportunities. I think of things that aren't final. I think of things that are unfinished. Um, I think of things that are of promise and promising. Um, and stu- I think of things yet to come. Okay. When I think of hope. Yeah. Just as far as the word goes. And and I don't know how well that squares with how other people think of it, but I do think when it comes to Hope College, um, you know, that's one of the things we try to instill in our students is we want them to have a sense of, of this is unfinished. You we, we call it commencement when you graduate. It's not final. Right. It's commencement. Commencement means the beginning. Yep. Right? So when it's ironic that you're at the end of your college and you're attending your commencement, the beginning. Right, so there's unfinished yep. stuff going on here. There's an unfinished sense of who you are, and we've kind of tried to take you for four years and help you mold and grow and 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 show you some new ways to think about some new ideas. But now there's you got to get out there and, and keep working on it. And um, uh, spoiler alert, it's never finished. Exactly, you never actually get there. So you have to learn how to enjoy the process. Yep. And to me, that's what hope reminds me of. Is hope is this continual reminder that it's going to be worth it. Embrace the process, however unfinished it is right now. I like that. <laughs> that's Does really, that even work? No, that's really good. Maybe it's because this Americano is really strong, <laughs> and I got some caffeine going in me. But no, I don't know. That's deep. You know, it's not just. Well, like, I've never been accused of that. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> um, second thing I want you to do. Real quick, just write a short little letter to your college freshman self. 
my college freshman self. Um, dear Jason, say no to the party. Um, it's not going to be worth it. Um, uh, there are going to be other fish in the sea. Don't worry. Let her go. There are going to be others. This is not the end of the world that she dumped you. And um, you're going to be better off for this because this is not the person you really want anyway. And um, don't lose your sense of curiosity and wanting to keep learning about the world. Love, older Jason. <laughs> I love it. Final thing I want you to do. I want you to rate your life on a scale of one to five. One being it is nothing like you imagined it would be. Five being it's everything you thought it would be. Oh, gosh. You know, it's both. Parts of me are one and parts of me are five. So one would be I never grew up, I'll be honest, I never grew up thinking I was going to be a college professor. Okay. That's never something that crossed my radar. Um, I was going to be a doctor. Right. And I was going to a different kind of doctor. Yeah. And I was going to deliver babies. And that's what I thought I was going to do and make a lot of money and, you know, yeah. and bring people into the world and it'll be always a, you know, wonderful time doing wonderful, noble work. Yeah. Um, so being a college professor and going this route is certainly a one. Yep. It's nothing like I imagined for myself, but I always wanted to learn. I always wanted to keep learning. Right. I almost didn't care what I do as long as I'm doing something that allows me to keep learning and keep staying curious and keep allowing me to answer questions about the world and to keep studying something. Yeah. And that part of me is still very much what I wanted for myself even as a little kid, mm -hmm. and I'm still doing it today. So that part's a five. Okay. So I guess if you add, if you put both of those questions on the same test, then I have I'm coming out as a two point five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well, it's three oh one, so you're a little late. Oh, okay, but, that's all right. We'll we'll, we'll uh, yeah. But um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time that you gave, especially because you shouldn't be here on campus. You should. Be no, no it's okay. We're willing yeah, to. No, I, I love it. I love campus, and I love being here, and yeah. it, it doesn't bother me in the least. Yeah. No, but. This was amazing to just hear about this, and especially your style of teaching. Well, thanks. Because, I, granted, I haven't had many classes on campus, but I just feel like it's kind of a different style than what is normally used here. Mm. So that was amazing. And just your passion. You know, I can hear it in your voice. Well, thanks. Speaking. It's like your, the energy, the emotion. It's like, And it's nothing against... Anybody else that I've had this, it's just, it's different. Dude, I get paid to hang out with college <laughs> students and help them learn stuff. There's right. nothing that beats that. Exactly. For real. So. No, and I really thank you for the opportunity. I yeah. love what you're doing with the podcast. I hope it grows. I hope you blow this thing up. And uh, I apologize for this episode because you'll probably take a big hit in your listenership because no. they'll be like, oh, communication, but we don't handle it. <laughs> But everybody else, I hope they grow and that, you know, it's the yeah. most listened to podcast and you get a, a potty award or something like that. that would a be Grammy, amazing. a podcast Grammy. I don't even know if they have that, but I, I hope you do. <laughs> well, guys, you know where to find us. You know all the social medias. If you don't, rewind the episode, go all the way back. I will talk to you guys next week. Next week is going to be an amazing one because it is the first ever double interview we have done, bringing two students on. We're going to see how well that works. Maybe it'll be a two-parter. Who knows? But as we always wrap up the show, you can be 
a communication professor. You can be college custodian. You can be a student. You can be a janitor. I already said that. You can be a student. You can be a chaplain. You can be a coach. You can be anywhere on the spectrum. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. You have a tale to tell. Your tale matters. And here at Tales of Hope, we tell your tales. I will talk to you all next time. Be there.